Hi, my name is Joe Jackson. I'm a journalist, author, interviewer, and broadcaster. And what you're about to hear is one of the 1,400 interviews I did for publications such as The Irish Times, Sunday Independent, Hot Press Magazine, and for Ort Ye Radio 1. How do I know there are 1,400 interviews exactly? Because I recently digitized all the damn tapes myself. But do remember that many of the interviews were done for the print media and recorded on cassette tapes. So some are, let's say, sonically challenged. But I happen to believe that sonic consideration should at times give way to historical significance. And I'm glad to say that at least some powers that be in RT Radio 1 agreed with me on this. And broadcast between the years 2015 and 2018, many of my interviews in a series called The Joe Jackson Tapes Revisited. What follows is a programme that was made for that series, but never broadcast due to circumstances beyond my control which is what we broadcasters say when you don't want to get sued or start a war. And I'd leave it there. But by the way, if you want to read the article upon which this radio program is based, check out joejacksoninterviewer.com. Where it goes. So the questions are all... Uh, but that uh, most of the questions are going to be focused on... If I refer to songs, it's only a couple of songs from the old works. Because I want to stick at the centre of the flock. Okay. Is that okay? Yeah. All right. I'm trying to get a sense of who you are. Are you a cute whore? Uh, yeah, I suppose I am in ways. I think we all are. I think it's kind of ingrained the Irish thing in the you Irish psyche. Um, I mean, I, 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 but were you early kissed by politicians and did that leave its mark? Would, would definitely have been, yeah. I, I, remember, I remember around the time of a general election. I'm from Lupin. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. I told it there. Oh, really? Community school. Oh, okay. Eighties, late 80s. I went to school in Salvage. Did you? Okay. Yeah. All right. So my father was headmaster in the local primary school in Lucan, so he thought, oh, was best, he? he thought it best to send me outside of Lucan. Excellent. So where was the primary school in Lucan? The St. Mary's Boys School in the village. All right. So, all right. Okay. All right. Well, this is in the community college or whatever it was called at the time. It was up the hill. Yeah. Principal called Jack Hart there, and he put a writer, oh, yeah. a writer in residence in place. I wasn't a teacher; it was to help the kids better appreciate creativity. So okay. write their own poems, write their own plays, write their own songs, put their own shows. You know. So I liked it. It was great. It was a good area. So you were saying that. So what was the political connection? Who kissed your cheek? Um, Mark, she or he? Uh, friends of mine set up a Liffey Valley. They called it the Liffey Valley Planning Awareness Group. Okay. And before before ma at, at mass, I remember, on the run-up to the elections, when the politicians would have been canvassing. Liam Lawler would have been one of them who was doing a lot of canvassing after mass at the time. Um, Austin Curry. There was a lot of scandal about, or at least talk about planning yeah. at the time. And Especially the around that, zone, that area, wasn't yeah, there? Yeah, so much yeah. of the Liffey Valley zone was being yeah. rezoned. And these friends of mine had set up this, this stall outside a mass with a map of the area. And the proposed rezonings, and they had a lot of. I remember during one of the masses, these lads just approached them and started tearing down the stall. All right, okay. Which I mean, it, it's well, I mean, it struck us that they must they must have been paid to do so or asked to do so by somebody. So I suppose that was my first taste of it. We were maybe fifteen at okay. the time. Do you remember as a child being kissed by a politician? I don't, no. Good, thank God. Okay. <laughs> <That's laughs> <constant, sorry. laughs> but your awareness, I mean, would that have left you with that experience of knowing they were probably paid to do that and sent 
have immediately fired the kind of cynicism that a lot of, a lot of young people had about politicians, or would you have a broader view? I think I have a broader view. I, mean, I am interested in it, but I, I don't think it's a... Because there's a cynicism in the first song. There is, though, and there's, there is yeah. definitely a cynicism. I mean, it, I, I like to think of songs like that, that it's a photograph of a certain time or a certain emotion okay. that I had. It's not necessarily my stance on the issue. Okay. Um, so what is it a photograph? What is it a photograph of which moment? Um, well, of, of kind of the, the feeling frustrated by what I see is, I suppose, the, the kind of curdling of the Irish charm in, okay. in, in with with us being being part of the first generation of a first world Ireland. And I just I became interested in the in in in, in the nature of Irishness and what it actually means now and. and and it, it, it having changed so much, so quickly. Which you've written about before. The kind of post-Celtic Tiger, pre-Celtic Tiger era, the whole the differences. Have I? I thought there was a song <laughs> in which you focused on pre-Celtic Tiger uh, Ireland, it was referred to in one of the interviews. I have, there's a song called um, Still Selling Shoes, which, yeah. which is, is, kind is, of, is a more flippant take on that, I suppose. What? It's a more flippant take on it. It's on the same about, kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, I just I tend to, to write sporadically, and I write down things as they come to me. And then when it comes to actually writing songs, I look at the list of stuff I've okay. written and cobble them together. <laughs> and there was a line that So you're still selling shoes. I love the use of the word cobble. So you're a shoemaker, <laughs> not a songwriter, right? <laughs> so the end was when, when Rory played the blues and Ronan was still selling shoes. Oh, that one, and okay, excellent, all right. It was, it seemed too delicious not to use. It's I mean, I have nothing against Ronan Keating necessarily, but it's... it's I have uh, nothing against Rory well, playing I, the blues. I, 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 I like Rory, okay. I like his music. <laughs> okay, but there are those who might say Ronan should stay selling shoes. Yeah. <laughs> but but, but it's also, it is a moment in Irish, you know, I think, I think your, your lyrics, listening to them and reading them, can be crystalline. They sometimes can hit something right on target. Not yeah. always, because yeah. none of us can do that. Yeah. But a double, uh, you know, a couplet like that does capture an era we can all relate to. Yeah. You know what I mean? So flippant or not, that song still yeah. captures a moment like that. Well, the, the pedants might say that oh. I don't think that the two things were happening ever at the same time. But to me, it just... I fucked them. It's exactly, yeah. <laughs> the pedants left. We got rid of them. That was one of the changes. <laughs> So there was that earlier song, you know, that the, I didn't fully understand it. I know you talked about it before, but the image of uh, Bagpuss frightening you, was that flippant or was that true? No, that's very true. What the, was it? I remember. It was the sepia tone, the... Why sepia? Why would a sepia tone image on the TV? It, 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 well, it, it, was, it, it was kind of... You see a lot of the early Eastern European cartoons that were made like that, and they did have a kind of sinister tone. So you may have related it to, uh, to that? Well, it was also the... I think at that age as well, the... the, the uh, How old were you? What year were you born? I was 74. Okay, so what year was this? Late? 1980 or something? Yeah, yeah. From then on? Yeah, so you were about six yeah. when you first saw it. And the, 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 the professor, who was, the, I think, an owl kind of character, yeah. was quite frightening, I found, at that age. Okay. Were you a fearful child, in general? I don't think so. I, I think no. it had a very... Balanced. Did you upbring in, in, in that way? I, I don't have. I think I'm, I'm I'm only really now seeing my parents' relationship as a relationship, as opposed to they're my parents. And uh, I think a lot of I, I'm I'm writing again, and it's, a lot of it is about that. About what? About, about their changing perception of their their situation. Yeah. 
Right, okay. And then generationally as well, I think I think relationships from back then are very different to what we have now. In what sense? Who was in the family with you first? I have three younger sisters. Okay, so you were the oldest brother. So had you got a kind of protective role? I would have had, I suppose. Did you ever have to exert it? Um, Yeah, I would have. Like if guys were mistreating or or even verbally abusing, would you have stopped? I would have, uh, yeah, I would have intervened. Would you? In certain things from my sisters. I I remember a couple of times. Yeah, yeah. But did that make you feel good and make you feel some kind of purpose, some kind of role? I suppose it did at the time. Because again, it's only now maybe at 31, 32, you'd reflect on that and see. Yeah. Something could have been fashioned for the first time there. Possibly. You know what I mean? No, but these things do only come to you later, as you said, just the fact of life then. Then when you contextualize them all, when you get older, they suddenly, you see they could have defined partly who you are. They do. But you were close to your sisters and close to your mum and dad. Yeah, I am. No kind of rupture. You um, can't be, geez, I'll have to dismiss you as an artist now. Yeah. <laughs> Idyllic childhood an artist that seems somehow not to marry. <laughs> I think in, in ways I, I alienated myself from my sisters. Okay. In terms of, I was all, I always did really well in school and I kind of set the bar oh, that yeah. they could never reach and I didn't make it easy for them. Simply by doing so well or because? Well, and, and, well not, not, it was more a, 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 an effect of that was to kind of that I'd be held in, in, in such kind of high esteem. By the parents? By my, by my folks, yeah. And the sisters have, well, the sisters couldn't ask you to lower your standards and lower the bar as you could, no, could I mean, they? Not consciously, no. But they I think there are ways of dealing with that. There, and what ways did they from, deal? From for you? For me, yeah. To, to soften whatever environment. So were you uh, insensitive then to, their, to the pressure you were putting on them, as a lot of young people can be? I think so, yeah. You know what I mean? We all I think just it was say, like just this is my world. Huh? I think I was oblivious to it. All right, okay. Until oh. when? Until later again? again? Until later, yeah. Until, Until my late teens. Or okay, all right. But you still stayed uh, educationally adept and, and focused, did you? Yeah, I did, yeah. I liked it. I liked the challenge of it. I mean, it was never particularly... I mean, if, if I was to do things again, I certainly wouldn't have done engineering. Which is is that what you went in to do? Where'd you do it? In Okay, yeah. all right. And why did you choose engineering? Because I wanted to design stuff for Formula One teams. Oh, I excellent. Loved oh, right. okay. the idea of working in a pit lane. Hence, hence oh, the name. Right. <laughs> where this kind of comes from. So you, 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 no, but you've had that. Well, that's what that X1 is. So you've had this fascination with that, that whole area. Since I've had that fascination with technological invention and progress. I mean, yeah, the Bell X1 thing was seeing, uh, reading firstly and then seeing yeah. the right stuff. Yeah, and, all right, and okay. The spirit yeah, of yeah. invention. And it seemed a very pure one at that time. All right, okay, all right. So you're sorry then you went into, were you good at English? Was, was, was right, did you write these fragments of, of sentences and all that that you cobbled together later? Were you a literary um, shoesmith then? Not really, no. I remember being Any inclination? Up, well, I did, I wrote, I, 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 I remember essays I'd written and I remember being pulled up occasionally for plagiarizing things that I had actually read. I remember once plagiarizing The Lawnmower Man by Stephen King. Oh yeah, excellent, all right. Um, Unbeknownst, actually, my teacher at the time was Martin Macken, who all went right. on to, to, to become chairman of the Fianna Fáil party, I think. Oh, excellent. All right, okay. Now, he didn't kiss you somewhere along the way. No, he didn't. Remember no. Next okay. <laughs> <laughs> you would remember that, I imagine. <laughs> so you were accused of plagiarism that you hadn't recognized. I think that's interesting yeah. because there's a couple of lines on your own. Oh, I do. I definitely You I do, do that, don't I, you? I, I steal. 
But you do, we all do. But, but I, I, rem I remember reading one of my great heroes. I discovered him in the seventies was Scott Walker, and he. I remember him writing about lyrics, and he just said, you know, one of one of the arts of being a songwriter is to, you know, to plagiarize successfully but add something more. That the idea of just stealing and just copying and just replicating is nothing. Yeah. But he would give a tilt. Now, I I, I hear you taking lines from "He'll Have to Go" on one of your songs. From the song, the country song, "He'll Have to Go." Really? Yes. What is I it? I hear you taking lines from "Hallelujah." Yeah. Now that's a real obvious one. Yeah. It is. You knew that. Yes, I did. Okay, so that wasn't unconscious plagiarism. <laughs> okay, but I do want to ask you about that because it's a good line. You tilt, you know. Jesus, music becomes Jesus. Um, put your sweet lips a little closer to the phone. Yes. What did you say? Put your fingers a little closer to the keyboard. You know, it's almost. No, you you weren't aware of that one. I was very aware of that. Oh, were you very aware I, yeah. of that? Yeah. Oh, I, I would, so the song is called. Oh, you didn't know the song, did no, you? No, I didn't know the song. Oh, it's uh, it's called He'll Have to Go. Okay. Is it a um, Burt Bacharach song? Uh, no, it's a it's Harlan Howard, maybe Harlan Howard, country songwriter who wrote about 2,742 classic <laughs> pop songs. Amazingly. Guy. And I think Harlan Howard, Jim Reeves had the hit, one of the last songs Presley recorded just before he died. Real dark version. But that's kind of like ironic. Like I know you're with another man, but come closer to the phone. Yeah. Like really dark. So you just picked, you picked up on the rest Yeah, yeah I wanted to contemporize that image. Oh, all right. In, it's about somebody who's in a faraway country and we're in touch by email. And who, and who may come back home. Is that, yeah. is that the person? Yeah. <laughs> If I don't get too neurotic, <laughs> she'll come back to you. <laughs> <laughs> but that's good because it's, it's wholly appropriate to yeah. recontextualize that particular sentiment yeah. in, in this sense, you know? So, I mean, so you went into engineering though as opposed to... Uh, 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 was that, was that, I did engineering too for four fucking years. I regret it deeply. Right. It, was, it was my father's profession, so I just thought, oh, right. fuck it, I'll do what he wants. I enjoyed my time there. All right. It was about, again, I'd been to an all-boys school for 16 years or whatever. And all right. It was about like being introduced to girls and hanging Excellent. out with girls. And At I loved 16? That about it. All right, okay. I was 17 when I left school. Yeah. So how long were you in college? How long were you in studying engineering? Uh, four years. So from 16 to 17 to 21? Yeah. So you had a ball with the girls? Yeah, well, I, I, I definitely did. It was a mind-opening. Was it? Experience, was yeah. it a heart-opening experience? Yeah, very much so, yeah. Because you are romantic. There's yeah, a, There's a romanticism coming through in, all, in, in a lot of the songs, from all the albums, you know? Yeah. Uh, a dark romanticism and a kind of celebratory romanticism at the same time. So was, did that become an evidence between 17 and 21? Very did much you first so, yeah. realize, That's when I first started writing. This is what I'm made of, this stuff going on in here? Um, yeah. Well, it's, it's the first time I kind of found a voice for it. All right, okay. But did you find a voice for that in other singers? Who would have, who would, I, yeah. you know what I mean? Who would have galvanized? You know the way we all hear when we're tongue-tied or heart-tied at a certain age, which we all are. Yeah. You hear a singer, and she or he seems to be saying, saying it specifically for you. Who would you have thought, Jesus, that, that seems to get that knot that's in me, at that knot in me? Not, not specifically to kind of, but I felt had resonance with certain kind of romantic feelings that I was developing, but um, not that you didn't find singers, songwriters. No, I did. I did. Uh, I mean, certain I mean, the, the classic songs like um, "By the Time We Get to Phoenix" and um, "Going Back" would have been 
big in, you... in the house. They're, okay. they're from my parents' record collection. Yeah, right? that's what I'm saying. They yeah, have to be. Like so, yeah. so, so, so Dusty Springfield and Jim Dusty, Webb and that yeah, kind of yeah. stuff. But they are classic. Jimmy Webb, right, with like songs. Jimmy Webb and Burt Backrack. No, no, who Carol King wrote going back. Right. You know, Goff and King, yeah. Goff and King, yeah. yeah. Jerry and Carol. Yeah. Great song. And yeah. It's a, it's a, but it's, oh, it's a song we went on. We, we used to cover that for a while as well. Going back. Yeah. But it's a great song. Yeah. It's also a very, it's a, it's a magnificent lyric. I remember listening to it when Carol King brought out her first solo album called Writer. She did it. And I only knew it by Dusty. And somehow she, you, she got the words even better when Carol did it because they're all that yearning to go back to a more innocent time and a better time and yeah. reconnect with friendliness and love and whatever. They were good. They were strong sentiments to yeah, connect yeah, with. Yeah. But what about contemporaneous? What about what about Mr. Cohen? If you tapped into Hallelujah, I was never really. I was never into Leonard Cohen growing okay. up. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I've only really recently discovered Leonard Cohen. So you wouldn't have heard Hallelujah. You never really. I only heard it music. when Jeff Buckley did you? Did it. Oh, that version. Yeah. Oh, astounding, isn't it? Which is the version. Yeah, everybody. Yeah, I think even Leonard Cohen would have to. Yeah. yeah. But isn't it? I mean, it's like wow. Bob Dylan. I mean, so many other songs. People have done his songs, but. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So did you hear that on Grace? Did yeah. Heard, when did you hear the album? This again, the reissue came, recently? No, no, when it came out, uh, we were we were living, as Juniper, we were living in a house in the country. Right. And it came out then, so that would have been 95, I think. Yeah. That was, to many people, that was a real fucking uh, life-changing yeah. experience. And you still see people talk about it on, on documentaries about Buckley. And when they first sat down with that uh, with CD, it wasn't an outfit, and listened to that whole set of songs, it was transcendent, it was painful, it was dark, so all that was going on. Yeah. So was that, that, would was been, that would have been the case for Dave from the band. I mean, he was, he was the one here who introduced him to the band. And he, he would have had those feelings about it as well. Really? Um, but what were your feelings to the whole overall album? Apart from no, I, do, I do, I love it. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I mean, I think he's, um, he was a bit of an astounding talent. Seminal talent. And any other songwriters, though, then, you know, uh, apart from those couple of songs influenced from the familial Yeah, thing? when growing up, I mean, Springsteen would have been my first love. Would he? Yeah. Okay. Because um, you sang like, about cars. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I had no older siblings to introduce me to music, so it was oh, through, yeah. through um, older siblings of friends. All right. So I got into Springsteen and Talking Heads. Um, well, the token has influence I've seen, and I hear, you know, yeah. you, can, you can hear echoes of that. Uh, yeah. Um, was Bowie was Bowie in the mix? Um, not really. Not really. Okay. Not, not, not at all lately. Um, but well, I think like, the Springsteen first record, the first Springsteen record I would have been introduced to was Born in the USA, which is often derided as kind of bombastic, yeah, bombastic stuff. Kind of yeah. Like, but which I, 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 mean, I can't really see that side of it because. I suppose I can now, but what's more important to me was, was the feeling of being, of being excited by music for the first time. Okay. Um, and that's by what that, I associated by, with that record. By that, gen by, by that energy? Yeah. Yeah, but you also thought were, were the boy who was getting a hard on in the slow set. So yeah, that's, yeah, that's, yeah. You know, so why would... No, but I'm, not, I'm being serious. I'm not yeah. being facetious. And that's why a lot of kids will tune into that energy of music, whether some call it bombastic. There's a huge kind of energy drive in that, which yeah. probably you can translate your own budding sexuality into. Yeah. You're kind of feeling, this is exciting. You don't stop, again, until later in life, you don't kind of go, well, what was it got me about that? Maybe yeah. it just hit you in the balls. I suppose in the You know what I mean? Which were becoming operational, I, I presume, around that time. Yes. <laughs> but but you, you write touchingly about that in, in, in Slow Set. And again, you kind of romanticize a, an older era. Yeah. Don't you? Yeah, well, that would have been, again, 
Um, we used to go to a hotel in Leeslip called the Springfield Hotel. Okay. Um, it's maybe fifth, sixth year in school, and there'd be the Mineral Bar and the Slow Set three times a night. And I mean, it was all very kind of almost hark back to you know how our, my, certainly my parents met. Oh yeah, and, yeah. You know the, the show bands and the dances. But it's also it also like a ritual to it. You know. Yeah, but it echoes the sentiments of going back. Yeah. Doesn't it? Yeah. And you also, you know, you're clever when the echo, I think, of this purple rain you refer to or whatever. You were clever. You moved in when the boys moved out. <laughs> Didn't you? You were a clever bastard. I, suppose, I mean, I'm you, almost... had your, you had your had strategy. You were well placed. <laughs> but didn't you? Yeah. I remember that about slow dances too. A lot of the guys you think that, oh, cool, fuck this. I hate those songs. I hate those slow songs and all that. And I'd say, yeah, yeah, up you go. You go ahead and get your drinks and whatever you want to do. I'm over here. <laughs> well, I loved it. There was a real kind of free song to that to that time, and the idea of asking somebody to dance, somebody to dance. Was, was hugely exciting. But you also write about uh, the embarrassment and and the friends who kind of, you know, yeah. you write about the moment of embarrassment. Yeah, well, there, was a, there was, again, a specific time when I knew somebody was being rescued. Because okay. girls had these, right. I, 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 you know, I've since heard that they were- Coded ways. Coded ways, such and such is sick in the bathroom, you need to go help her. Which was to get you away. <laughs> but could the babe seen your heart on from a distance? Or did, <laughs> was she making faces, was it, are you that big? Or was she making faces over your shoulder? <laughs> I don't know if that specific instance was hard on really. Oh, okay, all right. But no, but it is. And would you have, uh, a lot of us would be, I know it sounds silly now, would be hurt at a moment like that. You would really feel. Hugely, yeah. You know, your heart. It would affect you hugely. Yeah. yeah. You know, because you're, you're there in your romantic swoon, whatever, whether you're hard on or not, and suddenly they're making excuses to get her yeah, away, yeah. and you're holding her tightly. Yeah. Not a nice fucking feeling. Yeah. It's a harsh landscape at that age as well. It is, and I think it's often underrated. I don't know if, I, I think if you've good parents, they will understand it, if you can talk to them about it, yeah. you know, or older friends. But a lot of kids feel that pain very acutely, yeah. and don't know what to do with it, or don't know how to deal with it, you know? Yeah. But on the other side of that, you also say that between 7 and 21, you probably had some fell in love for the first time. Yes, I did, yeah. All right, and was it, did it live up to the songs? Uh, yeah, very much so, yeah. Did it, it last? Yeah. Um, yes, it has done, yeah. It has done? We're not together, but... Um, Oh, you're we're, we're not together. No. Oh, okay. This, this is this the one who's away and who will come back to you if you become less new? Uh, um, yes. Yes, but yeah. All right. I mean, that was a kind of. I, I, I'm happy where I am now. I mean, I'm not kind of okay. pining for that. But uh, how long are you? Is this the person then you met at 21? A decade ago. We would have met no when we were 19. Really? Yeah. Oh, ex all right. So, so how long is she away now? About four years. Okay. All right, okay. So you've had, you haven't just had one. No, I know no, you no, no, no. No, you've been involved. You were involved, didn't you? Yes. Now, how, how did she fit into the equation if you had this long-time love? Well, no, I've... This... Um, Who you're still writing to, which I think is great. We're... I mean, we, we broke up a long time ago. Oh, did you? You know, we just... We, we, stay, we stay close. All right, okay. How long was Hunin in the equation for? Uh, we, were, we were together for uh, a short time. Like yes. weeks or months or years? Um, no, I honestly don't know. We were together for maybe two, three months. So, you know, we were very much still in the, the skittish, excited phase of new love. When she died? Yes. Yeah. All right, okay. That obviously cut you. Now, I said you did, so this is the only question I'll ask you to ask. You said you, wrote a, you sang a song once, now I don't remember this, at a Hot Press Awards. To her, was there a song you specifically yeah, sang? Yeah, yeah. Or was, was, a song, was it a song for her, like by somebody else? No, it was a song that, uh, that uh, that I had written. Yeah. It's on the last record. Which one is it? It's called In Every Sunflower. 
Oh, I know it. All right. Okay. All right. Is that the only song you wrote about her? Uh, or? No, it's not. Um, Anything on the new album then? Would it even have echoes of that? I think. I think. Uh, knowing her has had, you know, had a huge influence on my life, and it's something that I've absorbed and has become part of me. And yes, it, it does. Having had that experience, it does does come through in, in some writing. I mean, there's, no, but there's nothing specific, though. On the no, no. I imagine it comes to her more in a sense, or the, fa the fact that she loved music. I mean, the fact that she lived for music and breathed music with you. Yeah. I imagine that was because you you celebrate music itself. Yeah. So often, <clears throat> I'm I'm assuming that that was one of the core connectors. It was yeah. between you and her, yeah. you know, because I know to meet a woman who actually has the same passion and love for what your your heart is into yeah. is a huge uh, connection, a huge thing. Yeah, it was. Yeah, so it was. it's more it's more that you celebrate that that resonance of the relationship. Um, with this record, it, it it it, I mean, the last record was very much was very much about those kinds of feelings and. Oh, okay. Um, because it was more was, was 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 and I wanted it to, to be a celebratory one as opposed to dark, a, a dark and morose kind of record. Why? Because you imagine that is what she would have preferred. Well, I, I've kind of very ambivalent feelings about it because, like, as I, as I've said, having only really being being in such a kind of a young phase of, of the relationship. Yeah. Um, I wanted to make sure that I hung on to what was real and not let the drama and the wrenching of, of what happened um, carry me away into kind of overstating what I was. Oh, okay. Um, what you, and, and what make, you were in and making career capital out of it. All right, what you were in the relationship. Yeah, or, yeah, or what it was. And, and Oh, yeah, well, it would have been vulgar and violatory to make career capital out of something. Yeah, well, like that, it, wouldn't yeah. It? It, well absolutely. I, 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 I was very, very... Uh, I suppose I was paranoid about that happening because I felt that, that I, in, in publicly I'd been held up as something that possibly I wasn't. Because I um, see, I don't remember it, but when she died, was it were you automatically in all the articles about? The I'm not, not all. No. Okay. I mean, it was. But was it publicly referred to? It was. Yeah. Okay, that you were the boyfriend. Yeah. So you didn't want yourself melodramatized or whatever you did. Yeah, want I just I'm a, I think there's kind of there's a huge potential for kind of. There is, yeah. Emotional um, voyeurism and pornography. For which, which again you refer to, tangentially in one of your songs too. Yeah. The new porn. Well, I suppose I mean that experience definitely kind of sensitized me to that culture. I remember right. when we carrying um, the coffin from the church and seeing it like a, a bank of photographers just oh, outside yeah. the church. I just found yeah. that so offensive. Yeah, yeah. And people, you know, that, that's an accepted part of of what the media presents to to people. These yeah, yeah. No, I remember the same with Bill Graham's coffin. I suppose hot press has been part of that culture, and I, you know, like we have to point the finger at ourselves, you know. So, but when I remember all that, and go, Jesus Christ, you know, how close this is death. Yeah. This is a life ended, and you guys are just trying to get the good snap, the yeah. good shot, the tear in the eye of somebody. That yeah. would be the close up, yeah, yeah. and that is to me immensely vulgar. You know, so you you you've, you've stayed apart from. So, do you think the album has celebrated that kind of? 
three month kind of uh, purity. I think uh, certain, uh, I think know. certain. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't the definitive okay. tone of the record, but I think certain. So, I, I I like to think that that, that certain songs. Did. Which songs do you? Well, think? in every in every sunflower and but well, and more so. Um, I'll see your heart and I'll raise your mind. Okay. Which is more oh, yeah, of a celebratory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that is the feel that comes from the album. I mean, some people we were talking about Buckley listen to Buckley and get depressed. Other people listen to Buckley and just feel transcendent. Yeah, I think it's joyous. Yeah, yeah you know what I mean. There's something beyond the sadness, <coughs> beyond the plaintiveness or the longing or the whatever it is yeah. in his voice. So that too is what you would aspire to, yeah. to kind of capture, Conscious, I mean, consciously or otherwise. Yeah, I mean, with 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 that song, uh, um, I'll see your heart and I'll raise your mind. We uh, one day, one night playing it, we ended up playing Do You Realize by um, Flaming Lips uh, towards the end, which, because I've always loved, I mean, I love the band, but it, 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 when he says, um, I know we're okay, thank you. you know, do you realize that, that uh, someday everybody you know will die? Um, yes, all the more reason to celebrate life. I mean, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I suppose, I mean, it wasn't even a conscious thing, we just ended up playing it one night. That just segued from one into the other. Yeah, yeah. Excellent, excellent. But I, you see, I think that idea, and this is this, the one thing I learned from my experience, the death of the father, it's probably the same age you were, uh, was a tilt on that, which is, and I think maybe it's James Joyce who said it, an awareness of death makes for a more voluptuous form of living. Okay. You know what I mean? That once you get that, the touch of the finger, be it a lover, a friend, a father, a brother, a sister, once that touches you on the nape of the neck, you suddenly, I found anyway, and lots of people I know, shoot more into life. Instead of going down with it, you kind of go, well, fuck this, all right, yeah. now I know I've got, you know. Yeah, I was invigorated in, in, in perversely, possibly. Hi, Joe Jackson here again. I thank you for listening to this edition of the Joe Jackson Interviews podcast. More can be heard on my website, joejacksoninterviewer.com.